Did you see how um, Todd White said he was listening to Ray Comfort? Yes, oh, and yeah. he was listening to um, the how can I, Spurgeon. Yeah, Spurgeon. He was listening to Spurgeon. It's like, okay. C.H.? Since we're talking about the prince of preachers, why don't we talk about the, what is it? I don't know. The king of pop. Oh. That's uh, MJ. What do you guys feel about MJ? Uh, I think he was great. I think he made the Bulls into something that they would never have been. Yeah. Without him getting Without drafted. MJ? Forget yeah. it. Who do you think is better, Michael Jackson or uh, Kobe Bryant? Oh, Michael Jackson. I thought we were talking about MJ from Spider-Man. Yeah, because this sounds like this sounds like MJ. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Spider-Man, Spider-Man's girlfriend, no. MJ. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about all three of them and oh. one person actually. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about all of them. What do you like what do you uh, what do you think about Michael Jackson? Good music. Yeah. My favorite Michael Jackson song is the Alien Ant Farm remix. I forget I forget the song they covered. I have but no idea anyways. what you're. I know what Michael Jackson to. covered. Smooth Criminal. I know what Michael Jackson covered. What did he cover? Actually, uh, shout out to our Weird Verse Wednesday where it, we spoke about Bible zombies. He was on our poster, so shout out to Michael Jackson. Mm. Um, He's not listening, song. but shout out to you anyway. Oh. Ooh. Anyway, anybody know what his kids' names are? Blanket. Blanket and. And Michael, right? I forget. Wait, are you doing real news or fake news or not? Because yes. you didn't, you didn't intro real news I or will. fake news. I will. I will. Do you know okay, his daughter's I'm name? I'm a little on edge. I, Do you know his daughter's name? I don't know. Is it Pillow? No, I forget. It's Paris. Okay. And the way we start every single show <laughs> is going to be real Breaking Paris or fake Paris. Singers News Network. Ooh, that was delayed. Yeah, it took a second. That's my it's going to be about Paris Jackson. But if this is your first time listening, first time watching, we start each and every episode with fake news or real news. And I'm Nick, and I'm here with Ryan and Mark. Hey, you. And we yep. are... Bible Dingers. And this particular fake news or real news is extremely interesting. I don't think I've heard anything about Michael Jackson's kids on since he died. Um, this particular fake news or real news is... Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris Jackson, has a starring role in an upcoming movie as the character of Jesus. Is this fake news or real news? That's so obscure. I don't think you would come up with that. I mean, it could be a fake one that someone came up with. It could be, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's real news. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those uh, headlines. Let's just set the record straight, okay? Whether it's fake or real, I'm reading it from a First phone. First of all, Mark. So obviously, I didn't come up with it. <laughs> Shut so. up. I just want to be clear here. Obviously, I didn't come up with any of these if I'm reading from a phone. Do right. I have to write something that I came up with? I'm skeptical Very that you... Defensive. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it sounds uh, like one of those <clears throat> headlines that it's just so out there, it has to be real. Hmm. Well, I really just wanted to use this fake news or real news so I can disrupt this. Oh. That's pretty much it. Um, but it is real news. Thanks for pointing it after I hit it. I appreciate it. I was that. trying to grab your hand and use your finger to hit oh, it. Oh, gotcha. It is real news. But 
It's terrible news. Michael Jackson's <laughs> daughter, Paris Jackson, has a starring role in an upcoming movie, Habit, as the character of Jesus as a lesbian. Could the assault on Christianity grow more ridiculous? Is like, this um, is this done by Netflix? I don't know who's done by it. I don't think it's even been approved as an official, uh, you know, release movie yet. Because I thought I heard but about this. It's in the this. works. It's Did definitely you? in the works. I didn't hear it was Paris Jackson, but I remember hearing something about it, like a gay Jesus movie being made. Yeah, it's pretty much all about the shock and the awe. And in this case, it's shock, awe, and a whole lot of anti-Christian sentiment thrown in is not a good thing. Yeah, you know, you can, you know, how dare you make fun of the Jews? You're an anti-Semite, you know, immediately castigated. Yeah. But, you know, just make fun of Christians all you want. There doesn't matter. Can you imagine making a movie out of uh, the Muslim Muhammad as a homosexual? No, the you, backlash canceled. you would get? It canceled. would be canceled instantly, but because it's and an And you would be canceled as a person. Because it's an attack on Christianity, it's okay. Mm. Yeah, double standard. I'm outraged. I'm pretty angry, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, but you know what's... Huh? I'm not outraged, but it's just like, come on, you know? Yeah, it is. It's, it's ridiculous. I didn't think you guys were going to say yes when I said Paris Jackson. I'm definitely outraged. You look pretty outraged. And I want to say that Jesus is not a lesbian. First Absolutely not. And I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Okay. <laughs> I am for real that he wasn't. You're not making your daddy proud. I am I for real. I don't apologize a trillion times. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, but that's not Woo-hoo! how the that's not what the Bible says. Okay? And I am for real. I never made to make you cry, but I don't apologize at any times. <laughs> anyway, but it's it's a region it's it's a region it's a reason to get outraged. But do you know what another reason is to get outraged? I want my fresca. That is the reason. That is the reason. That is the reason because, because John MacArthur, John wants, MacArthur his wants his fresca. And if you haven't been checking out our Instagram, you got to check out some of the memes that we've made. And you have to check out that sermon because that sermon was pure fire. Actually, yeah. If you listen to the full clip, that is a really great sermon. It's pure seltzer. It was hilarious. Yeah. That one part. Yeah. Coming up, bro. Only talk I do is edifying. They say church when I'm testifying. Hear you running at the mouth. That's a lot of mileage. Grew up in the woods, 30 miles from the nearest college. Saw a pair of rebel flags. I'm not being parabolic. Hey. Conference, they weren't okay with my swag. Wear the Malcolm X t-shirt with the AK on the back. Yeah. I don't need the fake to make a couple dollars. I get validation. I want my fresco. <laughs> their whole room clapped. <laughs> yep. Anyway, today's episode is not just one episode but it's three episodes in one and we are talking about joel amos and obadiah we want to get these minor prophets done with so we can move into out of the way to the important books of the bible yeah the new testament now we want we want to we want to move a little bit faster than normal because we are excited about the new testament but (laughs) that's not why either it is (laughs) no because they're typically shorter and it would be like a 10 minute episode if we just talked about one of these books but this episode is going to look a little different because Ryan 
has his own book. I have my own book. Right, you wrote and a book. And we kind of uh, we kind of tag team one of them together, the one that's a little bit longer than the rest. But you're going to be hearing Ryan longer than you typically would. So if you get bored, you could just yeah. fast forward it until when I start speaking, and then you can listen again. Yeah, so I'm going to do Joel the first half. Nick's going to do Joel the second half. So fast forward about four minutes so you can listen to Nick. And then I'm going to do all of Amos. So you can fast forward after, after Nick is done. You know, Amos. What do you think? It's Amos? It's Amos. It's Amos. Amos? Yeah, you ignoramus. It's oh. not ignoramos, is it? Come on. <laughs> Anyways, That's I'm doing true. Amos so you can fast forward about 15 minutes probably. And then Nick will do uh, Obadiah. Listen, so, if you're watching this or you're listening, I really need to know what the correct way of saying this is. Is it Amos or is it Amos? It's definitely Amos. Definitely Amos? Is yeah. that how they taught you how to say it in seminary? I think uh, it's uh, Amosa. I think I skipped this class, honestly. Amos. I love this book, Amos. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, so let's jump right into the first book of the Bible. Obviously, not the first book of the Bible, but as far as this as you far mean as the outline goes, yeah. Uh, and that is going to be the book of Joel. And the first thing we need to talk about with Joel is... That's where my turtle soundbite used to be. Where's but, the turtles, bro? <laughs> where are oh, the turtles? Where are they? <laughs> Seriously, where are yeah, they? Yeah, I was messing with the soundboard. Mark and destroyed my accident- oh, It was actually man. accidental. It wasn't like your soundbite with the munch that we took off. On purpose, On purpose. right. <laughs> On porpoise? Is the porpoise still there? Yeah, yeah. The only thing that's not there is my title. Okay, can we start the title with this then? <laughs> sure, Nick. So the title of Joel... And this is this is going to be the case for a lot of these small minor prophets. So just there's a lot of small information on these books, but the title of Joel is obviously Joel, and it comes from the author's name, and his name means Yahweh is God. Um, so this book, along with a lot of the other books, there's not a ton of supporting evidence as far as the author because there hasn't been much research on the author. Um, but traditionally, it's been Joel, so we're going with Joel. As far as the author goes, um, it claims it claims Joel is the author. Like I said in verse one, verse one, verse one, verse one, verse one, verse one, <laughs> verse in verse one, chapter one. Something interesting about Joel is that he is the son of Pethuel, P E T H U E L, Pethuel, and Pethuel isn't named anywhere else in the Bible except for in the book of Joel. Interesting. That's your author. Let's move on to the date of writing. So as far as the date of writing, there's three different views. Um, there's the first one, which is the early pre-exilic date, and that's around the 9th century BC. And there's three reasons why people believe this. Uh, it's because of the placement in the canon of Scripture leads to leads some people to believe this view just because it's one of the earlier books. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the mention of Israel's enemies being Tyre, Sidon, Felicia, Egypt, and Edom, instead of Assyria, Babylon, and Persia. So Tyre, Sidon, Felicia, these are all kind of earlier enemies of Israel. And then a few hundred years later comes Assyria, Babylon, Persia. And then lastly, some people say that the mention of the leadership style in Judah points to an early date. 
so for example, chapter one, verse two, and chapter two, verse sixteen mentions elders ruling, and chapter one, verse verse nine mentions priests ruling. So these scenarios could have been possible when Joash was king, since he was crowned at age seven, and other people kind of had to rule in his place until he grew into that role. Uh, so that's the support for the early pre-exilic date. The second view on the date of Joel is the late pre-exilic date, and that is between 597 and 587 BC. And there's also a, a few points to back this up. The first one is Joel's linguistic style. Uh, it's actually similar to Jeremiah and Ezekiel, which kind of seems to point to this time period. It's not super solid, but uh, he speaks similar to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The second point... Um, I like the, the way you say point. The second point? It sounds uh, interesting. Does it? Do I say do point? I, I say point funny? I don't know if you sound fun. You probably say it proper. All right, maybe. Point. How do you say it? I don't say point. All right. How do you say it, Mark? Point. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, the second point uh, is that the prophecies... <laughs> we got to make that a soundbite now. We have to. Maybe. Yeah. You love sound bites, Nikki. You know that? I do. It's a, the the core of our show. <laughs> you think so? Absolutely. I think we have too many. That could also be. Maybe our core is too large and one day it will implode us. You know? Yeah, we have to go on a diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going more earth analogies, you know? But you were going diet, abs. You were going, yeah, body core. But I prefer to take a sound bite oh okay if you're on a diet i prefer to have more huh? <laughs> what okay uh? okay all right come on okay let's get back to this late pre-exilic date um so the second point that uh, supports this is that the prophecies for the most part would fit nicely into the historical context since judah was about to go into exile so the things that he was prophesying about it seems like um historically it would work with the exile that Judah was about to go through. And the last point that, um, <laughs> and now I can't, <laughs> the last thing that supports a late pre-exilic date. Go. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the last thing I have here is actually, um, an argument against a late pre-exilic date. One thing that goes against this is that Joel chapter two verses 18 through 19 mentions that Judah had repented and God was merciful on them, but we don't see this occurrence in Israel's history. Um, so that makes it difficult to accept this late pre-exilic date. And then lastly, the possible date of authorship is in, is a post-exilic date, which is somewhere probably around 520 BC. The first point that supports this is that people that hold to this view would say that the references to the temple in chapter 1 verse 9 and chapter 2 verse 17 in this book are about the second temple that was built around 515 BC, led by our friends Ezra, Ezra, I love Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, so that was obviously after the exile. Secondly, the elders that ruled were the ranking members of the community. So we know that Nehemiah wasn't officially a king, but he was in charge of the people after they returned from exile. So that could be why Joel talks about elders in his book. And then lastly, 
Joel actually quotes Ezekiel in his book. And that's Joel chapter 2, verse 3, quoting Ezekiel 36, 35. Joel 2, 10 quotes Ezekiel 32, 7. And Joel 2, 27 through 28 quotes Ezekiel 39, 28 through 29. So that makes it impossible to predate Ezekiel. And it also makes it unlikely that it was contemporary of Ezekiel. Mm. Um, but one counterpoint to that that some people make is that it could be that Ezekiel quoted Joel. But it doesn't really seem like that because it seems like Joel paraphrases Ezekiel. You know what I mean? Like Ezekiel's quote is more exact and it seems as if Joel is paraphrasing him. And then lastly, Joel chapter 3 verse 6 references the Greek slave trade which was predominantly during the post-exilic time. So um, if it was up to me, I lean more post-exile date, but I think there's decent arguments for pre-exile early and late. Mm -hmm. All right, now it is time for the porpoise of the book. So I think the original purpose of Joel was to inform Israel that the quote-unquote day of the Lord is coming. Mm -hmm. He mentions the day of the Lord five times in his book, and it's a short book. Uh, so that's 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 a big chunk. Whoa! Sorry, that's that that was a big chunk. <laughs> what are you playing? That's the spring of my boom. What are you playing over there, bro? Day of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so for such a small book, that's a big portion. Uh, and he says that they must turn away from empty worship, and give their hearts to God. So on the grander scheme, what I think we can learn is that God doesn't desire our religious motions, like just going to church just because we do it, just saying a rehearsed prayer over and over again. He desires our hearts more so than just our religious Absolutely. expressions. Oh, I'm getting excited. Ooh, I see it. I'm getting excited. Fun Facts. Come on, baby. Give me more excitement than that. Fun facts. Come on, man. You got to do the hand motions. You got to do something. There you go. Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> Mark is snagging pictures over he here. Is. Over Being here. Mr. Paparazzi. Over here. Oh, yeah. I'm so sick of the paparazzi showing up at my front door. By I know, the way. bro. <laughs> showing up in my we, podcast. You know dude, what I mean? We can't yeah. even record without a paparazzi here. You know what I mean? Hey. I wonder how <laughs> they came up with the word paparazzi. <laughs> Anybody else trying to think of puns now? <laughs> oh, something about popping Razzis. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Hey, I could paparazzi right now. I was, yeah. just, <laughs> I was just about to say, I wonder how they came up with the paparazzi name. I don't know. Anyways, the first fun fact is that Joel is only mentioned one other time in the Bible, and that's in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. The second fun fact is that there was 11 other Joels mentioned throughout the Old Testament. None of them were this Joel. So clearly this Joel wasn't crazy famous. Hmm. Look at you. That's it. That's it for the intro to Joel. Nikki. Now, next. Come on. This is the first time I'm talking on this episode. Well, not really. It's time for the outline. But come on. Everybody's favorite part of the show is the outline. Come on. Let's get excited. Anyway, so as we dive into the book and come on, (laughs) stop playing your boom, bro. 
Come on. You try, Miss Jackson. Trying to sabotage his notes. I'm a saboteur. I want my fresca. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the introduction of this book is, um, you know, verse one and one, uh, past day of the Lord, a locust invasion. So basically it's a good introduction to the setting and nature of the book. So basically Judah is getting hit with a plague of locusts surrounding the land. So this is how the book is introduced. This is how it starts. Well, I forgot to say, this book has four parts. And the first part was obviously the introduction. The second is the passing of the the Lord, which is uh, what I just explained. And that is broken up into four parts, which is an initial appeal, which is chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Joel was telling the leaders of the community to take notice of what happened with the locusts and to tell their children's children. And then we have in chapter 1, verses 5 through 13, a call to mourn. The text says, wake up, you drunkards, and mourn. Drunkards here has a double meaning. One, because of the state of the land, obviously wine is unavailable. And two, the people of Judah in general have become religiously inebriated, inebriated. Saying that right? Inebriated. Inebriated and unresponsive to the Lord. So Joel is calling them out to mourn and respond to what God did in their land. Then we have in chapter one, continuing in that reading, is a call to repentance in verse 14. And he wants them to pray and fast. But the plague was very significant. And as we continue reading on to verse 15 and 20, we see that their food was cut off. There was no more joy or gladness in the temple of God. The storehouses were decimated and their grain all dried up. Even the flocks of sheep were suffering. Those poor sheep. Mm. I felt for them sheep. Come on, give me a joke or something. Oh, man. That's like us. We're the lost sheep, bro. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. There you go. I wasn't ready. I was waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then we have uh it's broken up into the third part what's i'm sorry said that wrong good thing you can edit this you can't edit it i'm there, not gonna edit this part but we are at the third part <laughs> a near future day of the lord it's actually not a human invasion that's chapter two verses one through 27 and that is broken up into a few parts the invading army in chapter two verses one through 11 the day of the lord is near his wrath is pouring down on them Most people believe that this language uh, of the invading army is referring to the locusts mentioned in chapter 1. They came with such large numbers, they look like an army. Uh, Then we have the nearness of the army in chapter 2, the beginning of it. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm, and let all of the inhabitants shake with fear for the day of the Lord is near. Hold up. Do you remember that old song? That rhymed. Do you remember that song? No. Blow the trumpets in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm on God's holy mountain. No. No? No, sorry. No. Uh, it's like a old I don't know if anybody remembers song. that. Yeah. How old are you, Ryan? 28. Uh, 58. Minus 30. Yeah. How you doing? He's not doing well. Wow, you're only four years himself. older than me? I suppose so. When I was your age, I was having babies, dude. That's what my dad said. Oh. <laughs> hey. Bruh. 
I think you guys, especially you, Ryan, in need of some locusts in your life. Mm. Yeah. So then as we continue reading chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, the destructive power of the army that we have already spoken about that are the locusts. And they are being compared to a devouring fire in this text. Can you imagine a swarm of bugs that were so intense that they did damage like fire? That's pretty intense. Mm, sounds like my backyard. <laughs> that sounds like them Texas bugs. That sounds like when I opened the door in the middle of the night to take out the garbage and I got those swarms of little tiny bugs. Nets. I don't know what they are. Yeah, those, are the, those are good nets. Or what about those uh, new ladybug-looking things that are everywhere? Oh, like, those reddy, blacky, whitey yeah, things? Yeah, they're not even ladybugs, but they're, they look the like The giant them. things? Yeah. Oh, the other, day, the other day, I took a picture of a bug. I had to send it to a <laughs> Oh, you could probably <laughs> bloop his, his name, because uh, he's, uh, he's into uh, bugs and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa. what is this bug? The bug was this big, dude. And it, uh, dude... After the episode, I will show you a picture. He wound up showing me what it was, and he said that they only come out like once every 250 years, and this is the random time that they decide to come out. Oh, yeah? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll show you a picture after the show. Very interested. Anyway, verses 6 through 9 uh, describes the relentlessness of the army. People's faces are turning pale white with fright. These locusts are relentless. They can't stop. Won't stop. Mm. Hold up. All right. Come on. I'm expecting more jokes from you, bro. Your locusts are relentless. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> Is that the new Hill song? Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, as we continue reading chapter two, we see the invincibility of the army. The locusts are innumerable. There is darkness everywhere. Even the stars refuse to shine. That's deep stuff. That man. sounds like some kind of poem. Yeah. The stars refuse to Without shine you, when baby, you're gone. Yeah. I will not. Without you, baby, the stars refuse to shine. All right, we're still in chapter two. <laughs> okay, let's keep it moving. Um, chapter two, verses 12 through 17, a call to repentance. Repentance, an appeal for private repentance was given in verses 12 to 14. God says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. He wants change hearts, not just a physical act of mourning. Mm. We spoke about that in the beginning when we first started this. And then we have an appeal for public repentance in verses 15 through 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion, announce a holy fast, and gather the people, and let them all repent together. Mm. As we continue... Verses 18 through 27 uh, describes the possibility of forgiveness and restoration. The Lord is gracious, and he has a gracious response in verse 18. He was devoted to his land and showed compassion on his people. Then we have the Lord's promise of blessing in verses 19 through 27. Restore their grain as well as uh, fresh wine and olive oil. He will remove the locusts, and they'll stink. Their hunger will be fully satisfied. So I'm sorry, he'll remove the locusts and they'll stink. Yeah, that's what it says. Oh, okay. That they'll literally, that it's it will smell. Oh, what a blessing! Yeah. <laughs> what you know blessing. what though? Think about it this way: you, you bless me all the time. You know that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to decide between having an army of locusts or the leftover smell, which one would you want? Oh, so they're not smelling. No. It's the locusts. That the locusts oh, okay. from them being dead. Because I'm reading smell here, it says, and they will smell. What? 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 They will smell what? You remove the locusts and they'll stink. Oh. 
I think I said that wrong. And they'll stink. It stinks. Oh, they're gone. It stinks. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what God meant. He was like, ah, I really like those things. Yeah. I named them all. Well, sorry, Miss Jackson. Anyway, um, verses 28 to 21. Oh, no. Verses 28 into chapter 3, verse 21. A far future day of the Lord, another human invasion and deliverance. Israel's spiritual renewal and deliverance is in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. (laughs) This book is sectioned off into two big parts, basically. The invasion of the locusts and the outpouring of the Spirit. And this is where this gets really good. Here we see the introduction to the Spirit being poured out on the people. Um, Also, I wish you guys can see this right now, but I'm pouring on the Spirit. You can on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Hold up. Then we see God's judgment on Israel's enemy nations. In the beginning of chapter 3 into verse 17, he's going to return the exile to Judah and Jerusalem, gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and <laughs> enter into judgment against them there. Fantastic. Yep. And we are cutting it to the end of this book. The description of judgment is in chapter 3, 9 through 17. All the stuff God said he's going to do, that's where it is. And we see also at the end of uh, chapter 3, 18 through 21, Israel's ultimate restoration. Egypt and Edom will be a desolate wilderness because of the violence they did to the people of Judah, in whose lands they shed innocent blood. Judah will reside securely, and Jerusalem will be secure from one generation to the next. I was waiting for something. That's Joel, baby. I was waiting for something. Look at you. Look, 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 look at you. Look, look, look. Typically, this would be the end of the episode, but guess what? If you have not gotten enough of us, we got more. We got more. We got Mo. A Mo. Mo Fire. You know what I'm saying? Amos is the next book of the Bible. A Mo. Yeah, I wonder if that's how they got the name. There was a bunch of Mo's. Hey, Mo's over there. Yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of Mo's, and yeah. they were referencing them all at the same time. And yeah. Amos's mom was over there, and she was like, "I like that." Yeah. Well, his future mom, because he wasn't born yet, because he didn't have a name yet. No, no, maybe he was nameless. They didn't, right. It's not like they had a that birth certificate. Be. Yeah, you know, ready to go at the yeah. hospital. Right. She gave birth to some barn. He probably went unnamed yeah, for a while. Right, yeah. And there was a bunch of moles over uh-huh, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amos. The title of Amos is Amos. Mm. Oh. Sorry, guys. Somebody called me. No one's, no one's watching. Sorry. Sorry, no one. <laughs> Somebody called me, unlike the nobody that's watching right now. <laughs> Somebody's interested in me. <laughs> At least somebody. <laughs> okay. All right. Amos. The title of the book of Amos is Amos. And as all of the minor prophet books, that is where the the title comes from the author. <laughs> the point got out eventually. <laughs> Amos. You're better off doing that just now. Yeah, probably. Amos's name means. Burden bearer. Bird in bear? Yeah. That's what it means. 
Okay. So the author of the book is Amos, and there has been no controversy regarding the authorship. Uh, something interesting about Amos is that he was a shepherd, and he also took care of sycamore trees, which is what Zacchaeus was in. Who's Zacchaeus? Well, we haven't learned about him yet. Hmm. All right, so the date of writing of Amos is next. So the oracles in this book happened two years before, quote-unquote, the earthquake, is what it says. The earthquake? Yep. During the reign of Jeroboam II in the north and Uzziah in the south. So Jeroboam II reigned from 793 to 753 B.C., and Uzziah reigned from 790 to 739 B.C. And then archaeological excavations place a great earthquake around 760 B.C. Hmm. So that's right around probably the time that Amos was written. Is there talk of an earthquake? Yeah, that's what I mean. So the the book of Amos says that it was that the oracles occurred two years prior to the earthquake. Hmm. So the the it wasn't written at the same time that the prophecies were given, um, but it was written during the time of Jeroboam and Uzziah's reigns. That's what it says. So if you're an anti-supernaturalist, then you have to ignore this archaeological evidence? <laughs> I suppose you do, yes. Archaeological evidence is only evidence if it, if it supports a naturalist worldview. Oh, right. I don't know if anybody's told you that. Anyways, let's get into the <coughs> purpose of the book. So, the original purpose of this book was to warn the northern kingdom of Israel that God was going to destroy them for their rebellion against him, but that a remnant will be saved and restored. I think, though, in the grander scheme that we can learn that God is a just God who takes sin seriously but is also merciful to preserve us. Mm. So there you go. Amen. I hope you just had a ding moment. I kind of knew that already. Okay, well. <laughs> now it is time for the... <laughs> so the first fun fact is that Amos wasn't just a shepherd... He was a big boss shepherd. He had many shepherds that worked under him and was likely rich. So Amos was a bowler. That's the first fun fact about Amos. The second fun fact about Amos is, it, is that it's like the antithesis of Hosea. So what I mean here is Hosea has a message of love and Amos had a message of judgment. Hosea's prophecies are of very little intensity, and Amos's prophecies are very threatening. Hosea's home life was used as an instrument for prophesying, and Amos's professional life was used as an instrument for prophesying. So there's a lot of uh, hmm. antithesis, freaking uh, 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 sameness going on here. Use of a guy's life. Congruity. The, the use. So that is your fun facts. Bruh. Let's go ahead and get into the outline of the book. So there are one, two, three sections of Amos. Uh, it's a relatively small book, along with all the other minor prophets, of course. Um, <clears throat> the first...
the first the first uh, section of Amos is just the intro. It's it's just the first two verses, and then it goes right into the second portion of Amos, which is prophetic messages that Amos delivered. And this takes up all of chapter one into chapter six, the end of chapter six. And this is broke up into a few different messages. The first one is oracles against a bunch of nations. And so that's chapter one and chapter two. And basically he says that God's going to destroy Aram, Felicia, Phoenicia, Edom, Ammon, Moab, Judah, and Israel. That's what this whole message is about, that they're all going to be destroyed for their sins. And then the next part of his messages are messages of judgment specifically against Israel. And that's in chapters 3 to 6. The first message is on sins against God and man, and that's in chapter 3. And basically, it's just that Israel is going to be destroyed because they sinned against God, and they sinned by oppressing the poor. That was specifically what he was talking about in this message, and God is going to destroy them for that. The second message is about women and worship, and that's chapter 4. Um, and basically, is saying that women were getting drunk and that people were offering meaningless sacrifices, hmm. even though God was already making life difficult for them because of it. So God was already punishing, punishing them, I guess, in a minor way. And even though he was doing that, still, <clears throat> it says that the women were drunkards and getting drunk and passing out and stuff, and that the sacrifices that they offered were just, you know, they weren't heartfelt. They were just going through the motions. The third message was about injustice, and that's in chapter 5, the beginning part of chapter 5. Um, and basically, it's talking about people that were oppressing the poor, and they were silencing people who spoke truth, in particular prophets. The fourth message of Amos is about unacceptable worship, and that's the second half of chapter 5. And it's like I said before, people offering sacrifices while living these lives of unrighteousness and injustice. And then the fifth and final message here is in chapter 6, and that's basically a, a message about complacency and pride. And what was going on is people were sitting around and eating really good food, and they were relaxing all the time, but there was tons of these injustices going on in their midst, and they didn't care to humble themselves and do something about them. And so God said that he was going to judge the people because of that. So that's the second section of Amos. The third section of Amos is chapters 7 through 9, and these are basically visions that Amos saw. The first, there's, there's a few in the beginning. There's the swarming locust, the devouring fire, and the plumb line. And that's the first part of chapter 7. And basically, these are all different visions that he has uh, saying that Israel is unjust and that they will be judged for it. Following that, uh, there was kind of this incident in between the visions here in verses 10 through 17. And there's, there's a challenge, specifically in verses 10 through 13, and what happened here is that the king got word that Amos was prophesying death and destruction for um, Israel, and basically the king told Amos to go away and go preach somewhere else because we don't want to hear that death and destruction here. Um, and then Amos responds in verses 14 through 17 saying, and this, and this gets pretty intense, um, he says that because you told me to go somewhere else, your wife will become a prostitute, your land is going to be sold, and Israel is going to go into exile still. Mm. You can't, basically, you can't silence the prophecies mm. because you don't like them. 
Yeah. And uh, your wife is a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chapters eight and nine, there's a couple more visions. There's a basket of summer fruit, which I assume would be things like raspberries, watermelon. strawberries, watermelons, absolutely. Mango. yeah. Mangoes, kiwis. What is that, a lemonade? Yeah. Yeah. Is there any winter fruits? Maybe cranberries? I don't know. What's um, a winter fruit? I don't know. I'm just supposing here. Figs? Figs, dates, maybe some hollies. Yeah, things that people Hollyberry. usually wouldn't eat. Chestnuts? On an open fire. Actually, uh-huh. I, I think... Oh, no, cashew is a fruit. It's not a fruit. Candy canes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sugar plums? Yeah. All right, Keep so going, <laughs> anyways, Amos saw a basket of summer fruit, it says, and basically uh, the vision here meant that in the day that Israel's being judged, they're going to miss eating fruits. Mm. So that's a big deal. Chapter 8. Chapter 9 is the last vision and consequently the last part of the book so basically it was symbolic before to them not bearing fruits hold up they didn't get to eat bro i think that right there the bared fruits ding moment because they weren't bearing fruit they couldn't eat any they couldn't eat their freaking fruit bro do you guys hear some meat searing i smell it (laughs) (laughs) that's the next prophecy is that just me The next prophecy is the meat was being seen. I didn't know what that was. In the canola oils. I thought, I thought it was your uh, AC or something. Oh, my AC is oh, like, dude. You got like meat, meat in, <laughs> You got meat in your AC, dude? <laughs> you don't do that? Yeah, that's the best way to cook it. All right. Anyways, the last vision is a vision of the Lord standing by the altar. And basically, I feel like there might not be some significance here, but he stood by the altar and just told Amos that Israel was going to be destroyed, but that one day he would restore them back to their land. And that is the book of Amos. All right, we got one more book to go, and we will be done with this episode. Mark, how long have we been recording already? What is that, 47 minutes? Okay, yeah, we're good. So we'll be in an hour. All right. Obadiah. Well, now we are at Obadiah. 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 <laughs> it's not funny. I was trying to come That's up with I'm a pun. That's why I'm laughing. That's why you're laughing. I was trying yeah. to come up with a pun, bro. Obadiah. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it's like Stephen Wellum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, shout out to Stephen Wellum. We'll have him on the show in a few weeks, a few months. Obadiah. Uh. <laughs> yep, that's the title. You know, everybody's favorite part. Something that we don't even have a soundbite for anymore, thanks to Mark. Thanks, so Mark. We're going to have to use this guy right here. Thanks, Mark. I hate you. Welcome to the Obadiah I do show. so much for this show. <laughs> Obadiah is a title. The title comes from the author, just like all the minor prophets. Obadiah's name means servant of Yahuwah. Yahweh. Yahuwah. Okay. The author, the books, proclaims that Obadiah is the author. And no one has really ever questioned this fact. Then we jump to the date of writing. Let's jump over there. You hear that? You hear that, guys? Listening to the podcast? This is me jumping to the date of writing. We don't know for sure when it was written, but there are a few clues. Can we please 
talk about how Ryan spelled the word clues. There's a few clues. <laughs> what do you mean? There's a few clues. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tell us there's a few clues. <laughs> a few clues. <laughs> Am I Scarface, bro? Tell me the clues. We don't know where for sure. <laughs> but it was written. But there was a few clues. <laughs> Verses 10 through 14 describe an attack by Edom and Jerusalem. There were four significant attacks on Jerusalem in Old Testament history, and they weren't done by Scarface. Hold up. They were done by Egypt in 925 B.C. during the reign of Rehoboam. 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 That's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 25 through 26. Then we have the Philistines and the Arabians between 848 and 841 B.C. during the reign of Jehoram. That's in Second Chronicles. Then we go to the northern kingdom of Israel in 790 B.C. in Second Kings. And Babylon in 586 B.C. resulting in the infamous exile. Infamous. Which is... Countless, countless numbers of texts that we have discussed already refer back to this infamous. Which exile? Assyria or Babylon? Babylon. Babylon to keep me warm. You never heard that? No. Watermelon to keep me warm. Watermelon? I I feel like we've gone over this. Water my lawn. Watermelon to keep me warm. To keep me warm. He, He always says watermelon in a different way. To mean absolutely nothing. He, he, yeah. Quote unquote. Anyway, it seems like the only options that fit this scenario are options two and four based on the historical data. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's unlikely that this was during the time of option four, as the book doesn't mention the total destruction and exile of Jerusalem. Is that meat searing again? (laughs) Is that getting louder? <laughs> Why does you just the did meat... <laughs> you think searing on 10? Why does the meat continuously get louder in your house? It's because you're hungry. It's fighting back. Anyway, what we're just talking about, the date of the writing, it seems likeliest that this occurred between 848 and 841 BC. Anyway, next up is the purpose of the book. The original purpose of Obadiah was to pronounce judgment on Edom for cursing and attacking Israel. And then we have what's applicable, and that's for us. We can see that God comes against the sins of pride and arrogance strongly in this book, and he also is strong against it in our lives as well. Now, we are everyone's. We are at everyone's favorite part of the show. Oh, there's a lot of fun facts on this one. Docs. And that is the fun facts. First, Obadiah isn't mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Bruh. That's a fun fact. There are 20 different people in the Old Testament named Obadiah. What? Bruh. That's pretty interesting. It's a common name. The Israelites were the descendants of Jacob, and the Edomites were descendants of Esau. Uh oh. I think that's super interesting. Okay. It is. Don't it's gloss fun, over that fun fact. It's a fun fact. Tell us why. The Israelites and the Edomites were like mortal enemies. That's what this book is about. 
Uh-huh. The Israelites come from Jacob. The Edomites come from Esau. Jacob and Esau. Don't we? Even yeah. today, there's freaking, clash between. Uh, even today, yep. Because the Edomites eventually turn into the Palestinians. And they were and the intermingling. Turned and into the Israelites. They were intermingling and created this. Well, what I'm saying here is the Jacob and Esau rivalry. It went to mm-hmm. all the way until year 2020. And then still now. And still, after year 2020, still now. Come on, bro. Anyway, uh, the oh, this isn't gonna be most fun fact for you. amazing fun fact <laughs> in this entire, entire book is that it is only one chapter. Come on. That is incredible. Jump in. All books were one chapter. Me too. No, we jump don't. into uh, the general outline of the book. By no means is this taking the place of you reading your Bibles. Please jump in and read this. It is one chapter. I think it takes about 10 minutes to read. Um, yeah, that's if you're reading slow. Yeah, if even that's like... <laughs> Maybe four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you would probably have to scratch your head a couple of times and reread some parts. So scratching probably, takes about seven seconds, yeah. eight seconds. Then you got to factor in, yeah. The, yeah, factor in. Bring the, your hand uh, back down. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, for I, every I page that's turned, correct. It's additional seconds. Well, there actually is there's, only one page. No, that's the thing. So no page turns. It depends because I have a mini Bible. Oh. Okay. A Bible for ants. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're jumping into this outline. Edom's coming judgment. That's verses 1 through 9. So when we open this book, we have the introduction to the oracle in verse 1, the vision that Obadiah saw. Then the breaching of Edom's defenses in verses 2 to 4. He will make them a weak nation. They will be greatly despised. The pride of their hearts deceived them. Then, as we part. continue, we see the plundering of Edom's treasures in verses 5 through 7. This is Jeed. He says, if thieves came to rob you, they'll only get what they want. But Edom is going to be totally destroyed. Bruh. Then we have the destruction of Edom's leadership in verses 8 and 9. It's pretty self-explanatory. Not much detail that we need to give there. As we jump into point two, and I must say that there are three parts of this book. Even though it's only one chapter, it is divided into three parts. The second part is Edom's crimes against Judah, verses 10 through 14. And it starts in verse 10 where we see the statement of the charge. Because Edom violently slaughtered their relatives, the people of Jacob, shame will cover them and they will be destroyed forever. Shame, shame, shame. What's the rest of the words? I, I don't know. A major poop. What? No? What are you talking about? It sounded like it fit, no? No. I have no earthly idea what shame, you're talking about. Shame, shame. Jermaine Poop. Jermaine de Poop. I think maybe that's what they say. Anyway. Um, you're saying. Anyways. So, yeah. So, they will be destroyed forever. And then we have the explanation of the charge in 11 through 14. They acted like one of Israel's enemies. Now, we come into the last part, section 3 of this book, the restoration of Israel's sovereignty, verses 15 through 21. And that is broken up into two final parts. 
the judgment of Edom and the nations, and the occupation of Edom by Israel. The judgment we see is in verses 15 through 18. Once again, as we have seen in other books in this episode, the day of the Lord is approaching for all of the nations, and they get exactly what they deserve. And then the occupation of Edom by Israel is in verses 19 through 21. That's when the people of Nagel, am I saying that right? Nigel? I don't know. Nigel? I've never been there. Miguel? I gotta say, yeah, never been there. Nigel? Maybe? I don't you I don't know. Nigel, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Nigel. This one I'm gonna say I don't know. Nigel will take possession of Esau's mountain. <laughs> I'm gonna say Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> and the people of Shiplala. Shiplapia. No, it's Shephala. There we go. Okay, so the occupation of Edom by Israel in verses 19 through 21. That's where the people of Nedjel will take possession of Esau's mountain, and the people of Shephelah will take possession of the land of the Philistines. They will also take the ter- territory of Ephraim and Samaria, and the people of Benjamin will take Gilead. And then the exiles will possess the land of the Canaanites and the exiles of Jerusalem who were in Shepherod. Will get the cities of Negeb. Those who have been deliverers will go up on Mount Zillion and rule over Esau's mountain, and the Lord will reign as king. Mount Zillion, huh? I said it wrong? Yeah, I think it's Mount Zion. Oh, that was supposed to be Zion? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, bro. It's definitely supposed to be Mount Zion. Come on, bro. It's 100% supposed to be. I could have swore it was Mount Zillion. (laughs) Zillion Valley. <clears throat> Mount Zion for sure. Anyway, that was a long one, guys. You think so? I think it was pretty yeah. average. It was pretty. Uh, just hit an hour. It yeah. was hard. Pretty average. But that is the end of our episode on Joel and Amos, Amos. and Obadiah. Oba. So we're working on doing more video stuff. We're trying to maybe film the episodes or just go live with them, but uh, bear with us for now while we figure that out. Yes, and also I do want to say that we would love if you support us on Patreon. We do have some really cool tiers, and we would be happy to add more of them. And if there is something specific that you would like us to help you with in your ministry and in your uh, studying of the Bible, we will be happy to add it to the tiers. As little as $1 a a month will add up, and it will really help us do more to outreach and deliver this exciting message of God's inerrant word to more people. So we would definitely appreciate your support. You can find us again across the board at Bible Dungers, even on Patreon. Yeah. And and since we're doing plugs, what else would be nice is if um, you guys get a chance to go ahead and give us a review and a rating on Apple podcasts, uh, because that also gives us a lot of exposure to people who've never heard us before. Uh, so, you know, if people are searching for a Bible podcast and we have lots of reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts, we'll be at the top of the list if we got lots of those. So, yep. Help us out. We love you guys. We hope that you love us. And most importantly, ding on. Ding on. Bible Dingers. Let me
y'all won't understand. She playing with dicks as I'm playing with friends. Love a chicken cause his name is Paris. Used to hate it, but got had other plans. Black star, I ain't wearing a dress. Only say it if you mean what you saying. Mama, time me you just start for prayer.